0: How's it going, you wonderful people? We are back with the Greatest Seat in the World podcast, second episode of Mental Health Monday. Yes. I'm so pumped for this, and so <laughs> uh, we had a lot of great feedback from the first round. Uh, those of you that don't know, uh, Mental Health Monday is just kind of our, uh, our way to try to get your week started off right. Right. What, what was your words that you can um. start your week knowing I no, can, yeah, I can do this. You can do this, yeah. right?
1: Right. It doesn't have to be a perplexing, confusing life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and um, there are a lot of crazy things that happen in our lives, mm-hmm. and so we're trying to um, kind of take this from a, uh, a biblical perspective, but also a very scientific perspective, right. and figure out how can we, um, how can we, as a as a community and as individuals, how can we uh, walk through our day in a more positive manner, right? Right. So uh, we've solicited some questions from last time, and uh, we also had some responses from the last episode. So if you haven't watched that um, or listened to it, go back and listen to that. You can find it on the YouTube channel, or you can find it on any major podcasting platform. Just look uh, up uh, Greatest City in the World podcast, and you will find it. Mm -hmm. But um, do you want to go right into this?
1: Um, Yeah, I think so, because I think it's a really important matter, because as I say it doesn't have to be a confusing and perplexing life. That does not mean that very confusing and perplexing things do not happen. Absolutely. It's how we're able to move through them and direct our emotions, our energy, in a way that takes us through to the other side. Um, and those are the skills that are so vitally important. Um, however, there are some really devastating, devastating things that can happen that need um time, respect, and a mourning period in a way that has little to do with initiating the things that we're talking about immediately. And the question that we got um, that I really want to address and really want to um, respect and hold in a way that allows us to communicate our own sorrow for the people and our own grief for the people involved is where i'd really like to start because that does indeed need to have its own space before using any of these skills that we talk about
0: yeah absolutely and if you do hear a little extra background noise today (laughs) just uh, forgive us they're working on the sewer line right outside the window so we've done our best to uh, (laughs) quiet it down in here but um so bear with us a little bit i promise it won't be like that every week but uh so yeah we had we're going like Way in yeah, deep like, in the second ooh. episode here. Right. So um, someone sent us a, a question, and we're going to uh, do our best to, uh, to address it, even though this would require much more than 25 minutes to yes. actually address. But anyways, uh, this one uh, is from just uh, someone. She said, I lost my nephew uh, in February this year. He was murdered. I've been trying to help my sister. Um, she just wants to die to be with her one and only child. Can't seem to go on without him. Uh, so if possible could you talk about um, losing a loved one or losing a child thank you and so um, so yeah it's a really heavy uh, deep question and right. so we have this this major question of, of loss how do we handle how do we handle loss mm-hmm. so I don't know where you want right. to start with that but
1: um, well loss is certainly <laughs> especially um, a devastating um, complete loss as this um, is- If we look at the model that we were talking about last week and under the spirit of fear our systems our systems being our physiological bodies are set up in such a way that when we experience devastating loss devastating threat to our well-being that part of our brain that is purely survival mode takes over and is in charge and When we speak about being able to move through that devastating loss, last week I spoke about how we shift our physiological response to allow the part of our brains that are um, able to respond to our power and God's power in a way that moves us through. However, having said that, the immediacy of this loss, it only happened in February. That's that's less than six months, right? I think we would be moving into the sixth month in the beginning of August. It's not a time to do anything other than be with the person who is suffering the loss. I recognize as well that you, the person who gave the question, is suffering great loss. Um, it's. A huge part of the reason we have families, right? It's a huge part of the reason that we um, provide each other with solace by being there, not by speech, not by encouraging them to do anything other than mourning their loss.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and we we and we talked about this a little bit last week as we were kind of preparing for this, and um, you know it's. It's so incredibly difficult, because I, I can't, I've never lost a child. Right. Um, you've had incredible loss in your life, but still not.
1: Still not a child. Not a
0: child. And right. so uh, I think we both kind of agree that that's maybe the most devastating yeah. thing that a person could actually could actually go through. And so why don't you speak to that a little bit on at least your history, because okay. I know you've had okay. m- more, yeah. I would say, traumatic loss right. than I have. Okay.
1: Um, Well, yes, as Andy indicated, I've had traumatic loss within my family, um, but the most recent and the one that actually, in all honesty, guys, really validated for me the importance of understanding these skills because I started working through um, the insight that had been shown to me um, in developing a program. And in fact, Andrew, I want to bring that card. My last note card, mm-hmm. um, when I had initially started all of this before my little sister's death, who was 14 years younger than me, um, was dated 32515. She died on 32615. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, God knows what He's doing yeah. in bringing us together and helping us to understand His principles not only in a spiritual sense but for those of us who still question and wonder and worry and even say how can we conceive of losing a child if god truly is in charge let me reassure you that he's brought us to this point so that we can indeed talk with each other in ways that allow us to celebrate the lives of our lost loved ones i know it doesn't feel like that right now because it's too soon, but it will, and it can, and it does get us to a place where we get beauty for ashes. So I speak specifically to my little sister because she was um, the one who was supposed to be okay. All right, she was 14 years younger than me and I had been the baby. So when we talk about, um Loss in a way that is not just someone we miss, but someone who's missing from us, and especially, especially a parent. That is only one step removed from loss of life ourselves. Right. Okay, so that is hugely traumatic, obviously, and a huge leveling of life as we know it.
0: Yeah. And we talked a lot about, too, um, this idea. I mean, I'm just kind of obsessed with it in general, Mm -hmm. of this idea of of an eternal perspective. Yes. And just living our lives every day with that eternal perspective. But especially when it comes to to loss, um, especially on that level, Mm -hmm. you know, to be able to think about it in terms of eternity, Mm -hmm. um, that you know, every single one of us is going to experience the pain of loss in some capacity in this life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but to have that eternal perspective and to know that, hey, ultimately um, these things are evened out. Ultimately, uh, you know, God, God has my back on this. Uh, <laughs> yes, that, that's ultimately.
1: Kind of, yeah, that,
0: that's you know, that's where that's kind of what I turn to. Okay. But once again, it's still that process of mm-hmm. walking through yes. now. Yes. And so it's yes. very difficult in the moment mm-hmm. um, when you have a, a loss like that. How do we? How do we kind of regain that perspective or how do we help our family members to um, kind of gain that
1: perspective? Okay. Well, one, I was making faces because, yeah. because yes, it's that eternal perspective is very, very important. Um, however, it is probably the first thing that even if you are a believer to begin with, it's probably the first thing that goes right out I, the window. I,
0: absolutely. Right? And that's, that's <laughs> so, where I'm at. So yeah. it's like, how do we um, how do we kind of get back to that yeah. place? Because oh. in that place, that's where I feel the yes, most OK. Yes, right? yes, yes. Well,
1: beautiful, actually, yeah. because that's the place where we can indeed rest. Right. right. However, being able to rest in that place is the way that we get to experience the abundant living and joy that God promises us here right. in having his knowledge. And in the same way that we get to experience him here, we can also experience the reasons, right, that we're missing that person so much. Mm-hmm. We can indeed reattach to the love, the understanding, the um, memories, the things that made those relationships so very special in the here and now when they were with us are still the same things that make them equally, if not more special in the way that we can carry them in our hearts. Absolutely. Okay, so now that's where we go eventually. Right. But that also means that we have to learn how to counter that physiological response in the body first. And we referred to that a little while ago, well, our first podcast, we referred to that. However, it's not appropriate yet, not yet, because that function, that survival protection function, is indeed serving its purpose because at this point this soon this recently right it would threaten the person's very existence to have to begin to accept that this is indeed the case so we we go through not only the grieving process and um stages of grief anything that you guys can find on that the person who gave the question um It would be very valuable in understanding what your sister is moving through Mm -hmm. again i would not suggest like throwing this information at her but i would encourage you to have your own information so that you have a better understanding of what she's moving through so that you can be there and like i said quite simply being there not speaking there being there Um, The physiological response though is something that you can be doing within your own body to help hers to come up in a way that allows the processing of the deep emotion to move through the stages. to allow it to happen for the body, the mind, and the emotion to be able to tolerate the process when she gets to the process.
0: So I think we need to go a little deeper into the physiological response. But yes. I wanna, I wanna come back to one other thing before we do that. So the, I, I think we need to just say that that year mm-hmm. that needs to happen. There's a reason and a purpose Correct. that we feel the way that we feel yes. when we lose somebody. Yes. And so you know, what do you? What do you see as like kind of the reason for, like why do we need that year? What's the purpose uh, for that? Like, what's the reason that we right. don't push someone through? Through? Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, well, if anybody, um, and I'm sure there are many of us, right, who have experienced devastating loss, know the shock, right? The component where we say, I just can't believe it. I just can't believe it. Right. Yeah, that's the amount of time that is something that allows us to continue to exist, and it is indeed an existence for that period of time, allows us to exist long enough to get to the place where this processing and these moving through the stages can happen. Even the funeral process that we have, those, those Rituals are highly, highly important because they allow us to do something. If, if you'll recall last week I talked about um, being under the spirit of fear and the four F's, but we're going to refer to them as being under the spirit of fear because they're all manifestations of being under the spirit of fear. When we look at how um, that makes us externally driven and everything being incoming, the funeral process, the bereavement time, all of that is um, is structured in a way that allows us to do something, anything, so that we don't have to be in ourselves where this loss is still completely, wholly unacceptable. Yeah. Now, we don't want to live there, but that's the function. Unfortunately, many, many of us get stuck there, not only with the loss of devastating grief and death, but other kinds of loss and other kinds of alarming lack that puts us in a space where we just go, and that's where it is and that's what it is until we explode or implode ourselves. Yeah
0: so we we feel that that pain that emotion uh, and there's a very real sense that in the beginning you want like the escapism is kind of <laughs> is is kind of okay. Yeah. But at some point I think where we where we end up as a society is that we say well I don't want any pain and so it's kind of this permanent escapism. Yes. And I think that's the that's the major fear of the sister in in right. question here she's right. saying well m- all my sister wants to do is not be here right. anymore, so she can be with her son again, right. and so you know that. Then that brings up all kinds of things of you know. Well, what if she's suicidal or what? If, like she mm-hmm. doesn't want to be alive anymore. Right. So how do I in the meantime? How do I help her right. to to not leave me? No, also, correct. <laughs> you correct. Know? And and the,
1: and that goes back to and where we need to make sure we get to today. Yeah. It's the physiological component okay? Because in doing so. She will be able to start moving toward the, um, the celebration of the person's life and still being able to quite literally experience what is missing from her. She will no longer have the sight component, but she will indeed have the other parts of energy and motion, the emotion that comes from us being able to recall and hear and remember and know the life that we had with our loved one, that is not gone. That component is not gone. That component can never be taken from us. So that's the component that becomes the beauty for the ashes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you don't have to die to be with that person. Yeah. Okay. That's huge.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> I, I carry my little sister and all my other losses with me very closely in a way that allows my life to remain rich today.
0: So at what point do you think it's, it's, uh, Appropriate to start to um, get away from the escapism mm-hmm. and start to actually address the the yeah. way that I'm feeling.
1: Yeah. Now that that's really a highly personal. Yeah. Um, different it, for everybody. Very.
0: Yeah. How do we know? But
1: within well, that's what I was going to say. Within within that first year, I would say you just do and be and. Um, exist with the person that you're supporting who is in grief, whatever you follow their lead. Of course, not to a dangerous level component, and if that is the case, then yes, we have to, to access the resources out there for prevention the, for prevention. If of somebody that. is suicidal, right, those right, kinds of things, right. yeah. And, and I hesitate to say suicidal because there was an important, to me, distinction from my own experience wanting to die to be with someone who is dead for me was very different than even contemplating suicide right. because for me well let me mention then my sister my older sister committed suicide oh sorry go ahead <laughs> how do i emphasize <laughs> <laughs> um, use your new york hand motions. Right. sorry go all ahead right, no worries <laughs> all right um so your sister right the contemplation right of suicide in and of itself is a very different um, experience than wanting to die Mm. okay and so that's why I'm not wanting to use the word suicide because I don't want to assign that that moniker or that even conceptualization to a person wanting to die to be with a missed loved one yeah okay so um, at any rate having said that when we look at that difference it comes from what it would mean to actively place the pain that is being experienced by the murder of your nephew and your sister's son in a way that had intent to pass on that same pain to the, uh, to the survivors of what would happen if your sister were to take her own life. So I say that in a way that um, I want to differentiate between wanting to die and whether or not she would intentionally want to um, visit that same pain upon the rest of your family by essentially murdering herself. Yeah. All right. So that's it's it's different. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay.
0: So you're feeling that emotion then, you know, like you talked about your sister mm-hmm. and um, you know, at what point were you able to kind of step back and say, okay, I'm ready to face this pain and begin to walk <laughs> through it. I don't I mean it's well, like it's so difficult.
1: Um right. It's so difficult and I and I kind of chuckle because I didn't have this life experience or this knowledge at that time. Yeah. So I didn't realize that I had never really done it yeah. um, until my baby sister died and I already had been starting to develop this this work. Right. Okay. Um, so well but let me more pointedly answer the question because hopefully people are going to have the benefit of this knowledge, right? right. Um that when I knew how to put my body into the um under the power of what we've been given in order to move through this life in a way that is beautiful rather than um devastating and horrible Mm -hmm. all right then i was able to start tolerating the components of the emotion that had been something that were just completely unacceptable and just would get shut down yeah but because they are indeed part of us and very important components of who we are they would try to come up again and i would just keep shutting them shutting them down with whatever means out there whatever the whatever <laughs> whatever the entertainment of the world had to offer at the moment right <laughs> all right so um how do you know that was your essential question right
0: yeah so then so what's that process you talk about regulating the body we've mentioned um, that a few me. times and i excuse think we should we uh, should excuse me
1: i'm going to I, I want to make sure that our terminology is calibrating yeah. because regulating is being used commonly only for emotions okay and i want to make sure that the distinction of calibrating the body is what allows the rest of the cognitive um, components and emotional components to move okay. if that's not happening the other components can improve, but that body is always going to pull you back.
0: Yeah, it's like the the those automatic responses yes. that we talked about last week. Those yes. mental mental ruts that come out in our physiological response. to Correct. Yeah. So how do we calibrate the body? Okay. What do we do to? Because <laughs> um, I I think we're saying. Hey, the sister. She needs the. She needs the year.
1: She needs the year, unless she indicates she wants to do something. Yeah. Unless she says, you know what, I can't take this anymore. I need to do something differently, um, and, and, or she starts coming back to life if you will and those of you who know her and love her will recognize when that begins happening yeah okay that's probably the best indicator when she starts coming back to life herself
0: and then for but for you you can start doing this right for the question person yeah correct so calibrating the body what do we what do we okay. do
1: well there are many many physiological responses it's called the neural cascade of what it means to be in under the spirit of fear, or what is commonly known as the fight or flight. Yeah. Okay, but there are two autonomic functions that we can access most easily Mm -hmm. all right and those two one I'm sure everyone's familiar well I don't want to say I'm sure everyone Um, many people will recognize breathing because so often we're told breathe and there are different counts and it's associated with mindfulness and yoga and all of those things are beautiful wonderful necessary this is all enhancement to those things it makes it that much more effective um, in a way that allows us to not only just deal with what is, but to truly affect the change and direct our lives in a way of where we want to go. That's the distinction that makes this so amazing, All mm-hmm. right. So the breathing component is breathing to the diaphragm. What that means is to take the breath past your lungs in a visualization to your diaphragm, your stomach area, and allow it to be centered so that oxygen can be distributed to the entire body in the way that our different complicated organs and systems need so that we can achieve homeostasis. When we're under fight or flight, it is, directed to our lungs so that there's a power burst available to us if we're going to have to fight or if we're going to have to run. And it also is captured in a way that the cells in the blood, it being the oxygen, that the capsules in the blood, the cells in the blood are directed to the extremities. All right. The breathing component is so important, one for homeostasis and distribution, but if we look at the practicality of it, this is where we get irritable bowel syndrome. This is where we get um, uh, all kinds of disruptive kinds of um, digestion issues. Mm Uh, this is where so much of where stomach pain and unexplained stomach pain how many of us out there have had unexplained stomach pain doctors can't find anything yeah okay so that is hugely important in a way that if you can't direct your breath to your diaphragm lie down on the floor put a favorite object on your stomach and make it rise and fall make it rise and fall and that will be something that allows you to see that you are indeed countering that response yeah and then you'll know what it is
0: we you know you you can picture it a lot with people with anxiety or if you have a panic attack or something like that we're always breathing up here mm, the and it's chest just like,
1: pain <sighs> Mm-hmm. and
0: it's like and see you can even tell if you're just doing strenuous exercise mm-hmm. that's where you're that's yes. where you're breathing because you're in that mode mm-hmm. of, of adrenaline right and so you know, to counteract that yes it's the belly breathing yes the deep, yes. deeper belly breathing right
1: and we're not just we're not just countering the breathing in and of itself what we're right. doing is bringing the part of the mind online that can now prioritize and deal
0: yeah you're kind of reverse engineering because yes. the, the mental rut would take you to say well now we're, we're in fight or flight situation now it's time to like be anxious and and mm-hmm. breathe in your chest mm-hmm. but we can if we can start the breathing here we can actually I don't know, in a way, pull ourselves out of that mental yeah, rut. Not in a allow way. allow ourselves to...
1: <laughs> it allows us to catch the thought. Yeah. To catch the thought that is the automatic signal to conclusion component of the rut and okay. start changing that pathway.
0: Okay, so that's step one. That's step one. Step two. Step
1: two would be widening vision. And that's a little more difficult. Um, we don't often hear about that one. But our eyes... Hood, it's the reptilian effect some of you may be familiar with the um the term reptile brain mm-hmm. our children in schools now which i think is really cool but again this is enhancement are learning the difference between the the reptile brain and the thinking brain right and so the reptile brain is indeed the part that responds to um to stress in a way that is highly reactive and the um the Putting of the eyes happens much like a snake's and the function of that is so that you can find the quickest means of egress or i can zero in on my threat right, mm-hmm, right. if i, I want to take andy out right i want to only see andy not the rest of this room yeah or if i want to run from andy i see a door there and there but he's in my way so i want to be able to get to that door right and almost, so there's a very real function going i almost on. <laughs> think about
0: what i you know play video games as a mm-hmm. kid or if you have a kid that plays video games right. and they get like zoned in yes. on the just trying to kill the other person mm-hmm. or whatever in that moment anything else can be happening in the room and they have no idea because they are like full-on mm-hmm. in like destroy mode
1: that's a great example
0: and so uh you know in order to actually you know get out of that mm-hmm. you have to shut the tv off so to speak yeah shut shut the game off and widen your and actually look around the room again
1: um now when you get good at this you don't have to shut the game off yeah which is beautiful (laughs) yeah okay which is beautiful um but that's Another important part that adrenaline and in that game that feels good, yeah, and absolutely. That, that's where we have such a So it's addictive, yeah, yes, correct, <laughs> right, because things are moving in a way that allows us to go and not have to deal with the things that aren't fun, yeah, all right. Um, now that that takes on many layers that in subsequent episodes we should probably look at more closely because I don't want to imply that being in fight or flight is always fun, but some. Experience it as fun, sure. as a surge of. Um, it feels like power, but it's really loud weakness. Yeah. Okay. Well, we could
0: totally we could do a whole so, episode on that. Yeah. And I'm sure we will because that's that's the story of my life. Okay. Uh, but anyways. <laughs> um,
1: so may I adjust? I don't know how I'm going to show. Sure. People because anyway, well we'll try guys and then. Andy, with his excellent editing skills, <laughs> we will see what he's able to put out to you. Yeah. All right? But, I'm sure it'll work. Okay. So the widening of the vision, um, much like the need to use an object on the diaphragm, if you had no idea what I was talking about and you can't just allow your belly to rise and fall on its own, with the peripheral vision, because it's not nearly as um, widely communicated to people... Um, I always go first directly to putting your hands in front of your face in a way that your two index fingers are nose height and finding whatever's in the middle of that range, which would be the camera for me, Mm -hmm. all right? And so then I open my eyes. Yes, I'm opening my eyes, (laughs) but I, I open my arms in a way that allows my eyes my peripheral vision to be finding my index fingers yeah all the way out See for me, this is just incredibly soothing. (laughs) The first time I did this, I it was a place that I'd never been before, and it was completely enlightening for me.
0: And so, if you're listening on a podcast, put your hands out, your finger out as far as you can in front of your face, directly in front. Find the middle point, and then begin to extend your arms Mm -hmm. outward until you can uh, until you cannot see your finger anymore. Right. Right. Just
1: at the point. Very edge of your peripheral vision. And so those of you who are actually watching, you can see that I'm wiggling my fingers, right? So that wiggling is the encouragement of the peripheral vision opening. And that doesn't mean that that's the only area that I'm seeing. I'm seeing the center all the way through. We're going to call it 180 degrees. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you know, it's slightly going to be... Less, but... Yeah, it's slightly less. Um, and it takes practice for, for those of us who have been um in the fight or flight or under the spirit of fear for a very very long time indeed for as long as we can remember um it's going to be difficult i've had some people i want to make sure i'm not going to hit you i've I've had some people (laughs) who can only go to here yeah all right so again it's bringing it out further and further and further in a way that allows that peripheral vision to open because we cannot breathe to our diaphragm and we cannot use our peripheral vision under fight or flight. The function of our bodies will not allow us to do it because it is protecting us. The problem with staying in it is that what once was highly functional, like the mom in grief, if it continues and it becomes a way of life, it's highly dysfunctional because once the immediacy of the threat whatever has thrown us into tumult is gone if we stay within that mode of functioning that's dysfunction yeah. Right? it's no longer useful
0: so then if we can do those two things and begin to calibrate our body then it allows our our mind allows us to actually capture the thought that we're that's yes. That's that's yeah. Throwing us into
1: correct crazy and it, emotions. Yeah, because it's really hard to even identify that thought if not. Right. And so this interdependence. As we move forward, we're going to see and understand more and more the interdependence. Mm-hmm. But that's where we begin. Um, yeah. We've got to start there.
0: Right. And so then when we when, like what I talked about uh, of, you know, trying to remind someone of an eternal perspective or even try to remind myself of an eternal perspective in that moment, it's kind of it, it's pointless while I'm in fight or flight mode to uh, to try to remind myself of that because yes. my body's not going there. Right. My mind's not going to go there Mm-mm. until I can nope. calibrate the body. Mm-hmm. Then I can capture the thought. And remind myself and then I can see a change in emotion as well
1: well you don't see the change in emotion yeah what you do is you process the emotion right to be able to determine what kind of thought you want to attach to the emotion because that's the result of how we feel feelings and emotions are not the same thing Mm -hmm. people in large part understand them to be the same thing Mm -hmm. they're not emotion is plain and simply a stirring sense of whatever is coming from our five senses having picked up in the environment Mm -hmm. the thought we attach to those senses those energy emotions is how we end up feeling yes so if we pick up something that looks like feels like smells like sounds like whatever the five senses are are interpreting for us that is the same as something that has thrown us into fight or flight before right it's going to
0: and that's why if ra- you take you can take some take in their situation here i just mm-hmm. want to keep bringing it back yes, to that because yes. it gives us something to grab onto. Yes. so i see a picture of my lost loved one Mm -hmm. you know in that moment it can take me back to the initial loss right right right. and so that emotion comes in i'm attaching my preconceived uh feelings to it yeah well you're
1: attaching the thought i i thoughts to it it, this person's dead
0: yeah and it brings back all of these feelings which can send me back into a fight Mm -hmm. or flight mode potentially
1: right right. and wanting to not be here anymore and that's the function of fight or flight
0: yeah so, ultimately, where, where we want to get to once after that year yes. of, of being right. able to kind of be there, then we can start to try to calibrate our bodies, mm-hmm. capture right. those thoughts, right. and direct the emotions.
1: Right. For the mom. Yeah. And the, I'm not sure um, if the the sibling who lost her or ne- his nephew, um, but for the sibling, use the calibration components for yourself. Right. And use them while you're with your sibling because that supports the sense of safety coming back into um, your sister's experience.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe the most important thing for us to say today is that uh, the job is not necessarily to fix to fix the sister. Mm-hmm. The job is to make sure that we ourselves are as healthy as we could possibly be. Mm-hmm. And like we, like we talked about last week. Right. The way we can have the greatest impact in the world mm-hmm. is to be as as healthy as we can be ourselves. Yes. And so, if you can begin to calibrate your own body, if you mm-hmm. can begin to capture your thoughts and to direct mm-hmm. your emotions, then uh, that's that's going to have knock on effects that that right. we can't even really conceive. Right.
1: Well, and and that's it. All of those things become revealed as we get to those places, right. but we can't conceive or know what they're going to be until we're there, until we've moved through
0: yeah the goal would be as you move forward then your calibration would become your sister's calibration mm-hmm. yes you capturing the thoughts would be your sister's capturing yes. the thoughts and it yes. will uh, it will begin to rub off without you having to sit, sit her down and say breathe and right. widen your vision right. and all these things because right. that i don't think that's gonna work Mm-mm. no that would be a big like big hand gesture guys yeah um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but when when uh, we look at um the the calibration the breathing to the diaphragm and the widening of the vision i um gave you guys practical exercises to do but they don't remain exercises after you know what those feelings are you can walk around and be anywhere and do these all right and that's again another component the beauty of it you don't have to take space you don't have to this that or the other thing all you do is do it because you'll know what the feeling is and you'll be able to um, affect change in your own self and in others by making sure you're in that calibrated state yeah
0: you might have to take space in the beginning right Oh yeah yeah, yeah. but then after a while it mm-hmm. just starts to become yes. automatic yes and so that that's the ultimate goal is yeah. that we could walk around in this consistently mm-hmm. relaxed calibrated state yeah
1: yeah and Boy, do things change
0: absolutely yeah <laughs> uh, okay well I think that's maybe enough mm. for today I think uh, maybe just to recap um, so that first that first year really
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, be there for the person yeah Listen, mm-hmm. talk as little as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, sincerely. Continue to invite them to family functions mm-hmm. or invite them for dinner or, you know, do all of those things that you can to just be with them. Right, uh, right. Without trying to force force anything on them. Right. And then uh, work on yourself. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: And then yeah. when the time comes, when like when you said, when you can, you'll, you'll know. You'll know. When they start to come back to yes. life, yes. Um, when that moment happens, then, um, then you'll be there and you'll be ready.
1: Mm-hmm. Correct. Is that good? It is. Okay. And I promise you, it's true. Yeah. All right. It's it's not gobbledygook like oh wow do 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 da. No, I've walked it. I've lived it. And many many people who I love, who I work with, who I just experience day to day because of the work I do, have walked it and know it to be true.
0: Yeah. So um, I know that we. I know that a lot of this probably sounded pretty technical today,
1: that's, and so that's um, my concern.
0: just bear with us as we move forward. Um, these will—the more that you connect to this, mm-hmm. the the more it will start to make sense and to click. Yes. Um, it's very difficult for us to. Because it's all tied together, yes. it's very difficult for us to cover the topics in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. But you'll get it 30 minutes at a time. And over time, I promise, um, it'll start to click and it'll yes. start to come together. So um, continue to give us some practical, real life things to go through because that really helps to explain it, I yes, think. Yes,
1: it really does. True story. You had commented that you knew uh, pain plus fear equals anger. Um, and you commented, truth, please. Give a little bit more wherever your comfort level is in how you arrived at knowing that that's the truth. Yeah. Because in knowing that that's the truth, it's going to help you have more clarity. It's also going to help viewers have a deeper understanding because we can attach these Um, components to practicality of living and that's something that I've often spoken with Andrew about when I'm trying to develop a way to disseminate this information is that in the moment whenever somebody is talking about whatever they're going through I'm able to show them what's happening within the model but to try to communicate the model it sounds very technical and abstract and in a way that makes it difficult to apply so true story if you're willing I'd very much appreciate your Throwing a little more detail in there, either experience or questions you still have.
0: Absolutely. And there are hundreds of you that listened to the first uh, podcast. Oh, really? So, uh, yeah, yeah. So if you, any of you have any other questions or just real life thing that you're going through, it doesn't have to be something um, as deep as this. Yeah. It could be something as, as simple as... Every time I get a parking ticket, it ruins my whole day. What can I do about that? Because all of those things can be fit right into what we're talking
1: about. Yes, all of it.
0: Maybe we need to talk about that for me. Okay, yeah. That's it for today, you guys. Uh, Thank you so much for connecting to this. And um, leave your comments and your questions below. Uh, Like this, share it with somebody that you think it might be helpful to. And uh, as always, see you in the next one.
1: See you in the next one.